for a new episode of Kings of the Podcast. Introducing your host, the Mayor, John Hovan, and DP, Dennis Bernstein. Buckle up, here we go! That's right. We are back. Kings of the podcast episode 10 for the 2021 season. And Dennis, as somebody recently said to us, this is your favorite hockey players, favorite hockey podcast. So not a bad way to introduce uh, the program today. Absolutely not. Let's do it, Jay. Okay. So we are coming to you from beautiful Southern California, like always. And today we are recording this episode from the Brad Guzda studio. I I got nothing for you, John. (laughs) I I can't. I didn't expect you to. I was that reference. no chance. I was going to bet you a Starbucks that you would not yes, know who you would win that bet. So good. I, I'll take a venti non-fat white mocha with no whip. Please. Thank you very much. You uh, Put it up I'm on so the app. <laughs> if I'm so inclined, I'll get a, a, a lemon loaf as well. Um, no cake pops for me, though. But anyway, um, I'll explain bad Brad Guzda in just a second. And, and But the reason that uh, we're talking about Las Vegas, and which is the tie-in here with Brad Guzda, is that the Kings are getting ready to, to begin a two-game set in Sin City against the Golden Knights, of course. And we had Felix Sicard on from the fourth period, who covers the Anaheim Ducks recently. And that show was very well received. People enjoyed hearing about yeah. the, the flip side of it. You know, we talk a lot of LA Kings on this podcast, but it gave people an opportunity to uh, do a deep dive on their opponents and for that game on Tuesday night, people enjoyed it. So we said, Hey, why not? And we got together DB and we said, let's get a hold of Ken Bolke, who uh, runs Sinbin Las Vegas. He's been the guy from day one DB. Uh, he was there before the Vegas golden Knights had a team name or colors or a Jersey or anything. And we wanted to bring him in and give him an opportunity to talk about the Vegas golden Knights. Yeah. Very passionate. Does these great, Twitter rants for his podcast are, I think, three hours long, but just a, a passionate guy who you mentioned has been there uh, covering this franchise since day one. So Ken will be fantastic, I think, to talk to in the second period and really get a, get a good feel. We'll ask him about Alec Martinez and all the big-name free agents that uh, Vegas seems to sign during the offseason. But uh, let, let's just get back to Brad Gusta for a second. When you think about any sort of connections, you know I love to connect the dots, Dennis, and if you think about any connections between the LA Kings and the city of Las Vegas, I don't know about others, but for me, I only think of one thing, and it's Frozen Fury. Absolutely. And this player, Brad Guzda, has connections to the city of Las Vegas and to the LA Kings organization. Once upon a time, he was a Kings goalie prospect playing for the Phoenix Roadrunners back in the old IHL days, long before Manchester and then eventually the Ontario Reign. So he was a Kings goalie prospect playing for the Phoenix Roadrunners. He later played for the Las Vegas Thunder of the IHL and he even played for the Las Vegas Coyotes of the RHI. So, But here's the thing, Dennis, he played in the initial Frozen Fury. Game one, Frozen really? Fury... This guy was in net. So it's a perfect name. Perfect. Perfect guy. So that's how you get Brad Guzda. He is the one that uh, it gets the the honor today of being the kings of the podcast studio. So uh, with that being said, Dennis, do you you asked a great question? Uh, let's just jump right into it. You you right. asked a great question of Todd McClellan the other night uh, or the other day. And you said, Todd, is that a teaching moment, that Kings-Ducks game, or you, you, you just erase the video? He gave his answer, but what's your answer, Dennis? What do you do with that game? If I had a toilet bowl flushing sound effect, <laughs> I would play it right now. Um, that's why I'm not a coach. It was just, that was just, and I get it. Like, there's four starters out from opening night, and you're at game nine. And you have to do all, and, and you can tell that Todd is just really frustrated with just what's going on and how you're dealing with, with the roster and the absences through injury, but that's not acceptable. I don't care who's on the ice. Like they couldn't throw like two consecutive passes together. It was, it was mystifying because John, if that was Colorado or Tampa or somebody, I'd get it. If the team they were playing on paper, they're worse. I, I just didn't get it. I, I get all the absences, but for me, I would just move on from that game. Cause it was, to me, there was really, no value in looking at that video. You could correct it, but when you can't throw two passes together, what are you going to do? Well, here's the part that I found probably frustrating watching the game, and, and I'm sure that McClellan did as well. While the LA Kings have not been the Tampa Bay Lightning or the Vegas Golden Knights, for that matter, uh, or even Colorado this year, right? Uh, one thing that has sort of been the hallmark of them through the fir- had been through the first eight games was their ability to crawl their way, claw, excuse me, wow, uh, tongue-tied today, to claw their way back into games. 
and they just right. didn't do it that night. They, they, of course, did what they always do. They gave up the first goal of the game, and then they mm-hmm. were behind the eight ball. But they, were nev- they never seemed to show signs of rebounding. Even when Kaliev scored the goal, which we can talk long about that as well, they just never seemed to really find a rhythm. And you know what? Here's what I want to say, Dennis. Whenever we ask the players about, hey, there was a line change and you were moved up with this player, that play. it doesn't matter if you're talking to Kopitar, Ayafalo, it doesn't matter who you're talking to, even a young player like Gabe Bellardi, they all give sort of the same answer. And that is, it doesn't matter who's on our line. We all know the systems. We play with each other at different times right. during practice and power plays and whatnot. So changing the lines shouldn't confuse us or cause a problem. That's what they say, right? Yep. 100%. So, so yes. Everybody can acknowledge that double A is out of the lineup. Blake Lazad is out of the lineup. The two defensemen are out of the lineup coming out of the Minnesota game. And so Todd and the staff had to go to the, to the Ouija board or to the drawing board. And according to the players and everything that they've ever said in the past, that shouldn't have mattered. It's not an excuse. And even if they were sort of, you know, behind the eight ball a little bit to start the game at some point, they needed to kick it into high gear, whether it was during first intermission, whether it was after the first goal, whether it was the second intermission. And I, I think Todd's quote was just that something to the effect of they were like a, a boxer or a bad boxer yeah. who was taking it over and over and over. And that's what it felt like for 60 minutes. Not just up gear, like second gear. I tweeted this, John. It was such a weird game. Like the game was tied for 10 minutes. It was a one goal game for 35 minutes. And the team was never in the game. Like, how can that be? You know, there are veterans on the team. They didn't go with... 20 rookies that night. It, it was just confounding that they never got off the deck. They're, they never they never pushed back. And that's the one thing I agree with you, John. The one thing about this team, up until the Anaheim game, they were competitive in every game, regardless of the competition. They weren't competitive, and they were lucky it was 3-1. They were lucky to be in it 2-1. It was just mystifying. So I'm really interested to see the response on Friday against Vegas. I also take exception to the fight that took place at the beginning of the game. I don't have a problem with fighting in the game if there's a time and a place for it. And that was the wrong time and the wrong place. And I, I just don't understand when you're already down two defensemen and you're trying to get minutes out of Oli Mata and right. Mark Alt, and, you know, Curtis McDermott has been thrust into this second pairing role with Kale Clegg, why you're going to begin the game. You're already shorthanded, essentially, coming into the game. And now you're going to be Great even, point. you know, you're going to go down a defenseman for, for five minutes. I just, I don't understand what the purpose of that was. And Todd, you know, wanted to make it known that, you know, he did not orchestrate that. Um, but if I'm McClellan, man, I'm having a conversation. So if I don't know about it in advance, I'm having a conversation with McDermott. Um, I also question, how do you not know that something's going down because Curtis McDermott is starting the game? Well, in, but he's not starting as a third pair defenseman. He's starting as a second pair defenseman. The issue, John, is that's consecutive games, right? That happened against Minnesota too. Mm-hmm. That, that's yeah. the issue is that the player did this twice now. Okay. So there needs to be a discussion there. Uh, let's talk, let's try to talk about some quick highlights there, here, Dennis, because uh, we have a guest and we have some other headlines that I want to get to as well. Um, the, re- the reverse retro jerseys. Uh, we've talked about them so much leading up to this game. They finally made their debut. Any, any perspective, any thoughts about uh, the reverse retro jerseys in, in think, person? I think they met the expectations. They look fantastic on the ice and, uh, all the anticipation, they look great, and uh, I can't wait for the next time they were on. But, yeah, I think it, it, it validated all the, the chatter and talk about how great these jerseys look. They look great on the ice. I, I did uh, – I think I tweeted this out, Dennis, but I did uh, recently pick up some news, a little scoop, and that is that there was some talk behind the scenes because these jerseys have been so wildly popular. I mean, they sold out everywhere, essentially. Um, there was at least some talk internally about the there being an interest – and potentially wearing these jerseys for a few more games next year. Uh, so they're scheduled for four this season. Maybe with the fans in the building next year, could they come back and do it for another two, three, four games? It looks like that has now been tabled, and that's not going to be the plan. What there, what could happen is the NHL uh, potentially, I guess, could bring these jerseys back and do another round of reverse retro, using the same jerseys, of course. Um, not not doing 
you know, a different version of them, but maybe bring them back uh, like in three or four years from now when there are fans in the building and, and, and have a reverse retro year once again. But it sounds like that the team and or the league already has plans for some other stuff that they want to accomplish next year. So, uh, you know, fans enjoy the jerseys. If you were able to get one before they sold out, fantastic. Uh, and yeah, there's still a couple more games. And Dennis, we're going to get a reverse on reverse game coming up here at the end of February where the Kings are taking their dirty laundry on the road and they're going to play <laughs> in their reverse retros in Minnesota. Uh, and they're going to be wearing their 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 North Stars inspired jerseys, so that we'll get a little reverse on reverse action coming up here in a couple weeks. Well, they don't mind putting thirty sweaters in another case and taking one extra case on a plane. Well, no. it's a little what a great effort. You have the, you do have the different gloves, you, and, and you get my point, though. I I do. But I other do. teams so, not willing to do it. I I and I just don't understand it. And as we talked about in the last program, if there was ever a series where you could go reverse on reverse and not worry about the extra baggage. It would seem to be that when the two teams are 30 miles apart from each other, that, that would be a great opportunity. So, but Hey, what, what do we know, Dennis? Yeah. So John, they sold out this run. I assume they're going to produce more, but if they're going to shelve these for another couple of years, would fans be able to buy these after this season? Will they be for sale on sites? I have some really bad news to share. I'm not sure, based on the, the info that I've been able to gather here over the last couple of days, and I specifically asked the question mm -hmm. leading into the game because I knew people were going to ask uh, me on Twitter and whatnot, hey, when are, you know, when are these jerseys expected to be back in stock again? And I was told they might not be. That might be it. It might be a limited run just oh, yeah. with all the production problems with you know, the Early. COVID has caused and all Good these point. different things. And timing. Um, hey, th look, they were very successful and perhaps even more successful than anybody would have expected. Right. And sometimes it's very difficult to turn turn on a dime. Um, but for those that were lucky enough to get them, you know, like I said, congratulations. I, I looked at this. I hope that they're able to produce another run of these because there is a lot of pent up demand. And my expectation would have been that some people were reluctant to buy them um, at the time that they came out, they mm -hmm. came out at the holiday time period. So people were, you know, from a financial perspective, trying to budget for Christmas and whatnot. And there was probably a group of people that were waiting to see what they looked like on the ice. And now so, with those two things behind them, I think that there's a lot of pent up demand. I hope they do make another, do another run of these jerseys. Yeah, you're right. They would sell out immediately probably, but look, if they don't, you got a collector's item. If you're sitting with one at home right now. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about Arthur Kaliev real quickly. Um, earlier today, I did break on Mayor's Manor that he was going to be, I guess, technically, I broke it on Twitter probably. But anyway, that he was going to, uh, Arthur Kaliev was being sent back to the American League. Um, he's not traveling with the Kings to Las Vegas. He is going to be in Las Vegas, coincidentally, because the Ontario Reign are opening up this weekend in Henderson uh, against the Silver Knights, the new AHL team for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, but Kaliev, one game in. And uh, he scores a goal. And for me, it was pretty reminiscent uh, in many ways of almost one year to the date, February 20th of last year of 2020, Dennis, which feels like 10 years ago. Gabe Velarde makes his NHL debut and scores a goal. And then here we are, February of 2021, Arthur Kaliev makes his debut and he scores a goal. Yeah. The goal aside, you, when you heard the um, analysis of this player, other than his goal scoring, but what all the other stuff he does, to me, that's that's really good, and and that's probably when you talked to Todd. When Todd was asked of his opinion, he talked about how he was a different player over the last year from what he was before, and he didn't really mention the goal scoring much because you're assuming that. But as we all know, John, you have to have more than that to play in this league, and it appears from what the analysis is is that he's got these other components. You mentioned his passing, and yeah. you stop people in their tracks like, wait a minute. Let's not talk about his passing. Let's not talk about his scoring. Let's talk about his passing. So I think the grades for one game was fantastic. He looked, you know, he didn't look out of place. I saw him block a couple of passes. Uh, so you've got to be really optimistic that this player has matured over the last year and used that time uh, to really develop his game. Yeah, you know, he he stayed in Los Angeles for many, many months. He wasn't back home somewhere training. He was in Los Angeles for most of 2020 and uh, and doing a lot of training. And he, he talked a little bit about that recently on one of the Zooms as well, spending some time with Matt Price and whatnot. And you may remember, Dennis, we talked about this on a, on a podcast during the quarantine when I told everybody that he did not go to the Team USA, the right. first camp. Um, because he wanted to stay behind in Los Angeles. He wanted to make sure that he was completely ready to go when the season started. Now, he was committed to the World Juniors, but he just didn't feel that it was necessary to go at that time to that evaluation camp with Team USA. They had a body of work on him, 
and uh, he 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 believed, and he was right in his in his assessment that he was going to make the team um, for the World Juniors, and obviously had a, a really good tournament, as we've talked about, uh, you know, quite quite a bit here on the program. Uh, what about this though, Dennis? What about um, let's let's just jump into the news here a little bit. There, uh, D'Angelo from the New York Rangers. Mm-hmm. So he's put on waivers, and uh, fans. Every time a player goes on waivers, fans are tweeting this, and they want. Do the Kings put a, a claim in for this guy? Do they put a claim in for this guy? Uh, that guy. Um, and then Bob McKenzie, uh, of course, the Godfather, comes out with a report saying that the Kings are one of the teams that are kicking the tires on him. Um, I just want to give a little bit of commentary about that. The Kings did look at it uh you know what what would a deal look like and people say well why didn't they just pick him up for free well part of it is if you pick him up for free you're on the hook for the entire contract where if you can work out a trade right after the fact then you can get the rangers to retain and you could potentially even get the rangers to throw in a sweetener so you know uh maybe you get a draft pick or another asset back in return so they did they did look at it and here's here's what i've been able to gather the kings like that style of player and i think that's very obvious right um they like that style of player but at the end of the day, there's just too much baggage uh, with that particular player. The Kings have a really young group of players in Los Angeles. They're, I think, the fifth or sixth youngest team uh, in the NHL right now, and they're going to continue to get younger as they bring players in. And there are a lot of young players around the team anyway because the Ontario Reign and the LA Kings share the same practice facility. This is not the 2012 LA Kings with a a rock-solid locker room that could take a player in like that and you know could absorb that type of controversy in their locker room because they were surrounded by veteran leaders not only in dustin brown and kopitar but also with guys like willie mitchell and jared stoll and matt green and etc we've talked about it so much um i just don't see the la kings making a deal uh for this player there's just too much baggage at this particular time yeah look the guys can can produce offensively i think he had 58 points a couple seasons ago under the contract the Rangers were willing to walk away for nothing from this player. You want to put that player on your team? No, sorry. And yes, he's a play driving defenseman, something the Kings really don't have at this point. Not this guy. Like, yes, I get it. Like that type of player, like you say, John, not this guy. It's it just, it's too much. Plus he's, you know, it's not like he's going from, you know, New York to Carolina. He's going to New York to Los Angeles where the media would be all over him. Plus, you know, if there was issues Andre Miller, the Kings have Byfield, the Kings have Akeel Thomas. Like, so I would be concerned about that as well. So no, this is not the player to pick up. They're not, and you're right, it, it, for two different reasons. Because of the issues he's caused in the locker room, and I, you're right, where this team is right now, if he was a final piece where you said, okay, we're not getting enough play driving from our defense, and that's mm-hmm. what we need to put us over the top, we're like a team like Vegas, then yeah, you might take that risk. I, I just think the risk way outweighs the benefit this player can give you. Not only the risk with the player, but even putting that aside, yes, it is. He brings a skill set that they would like to add that type of skill into their group. But just look at where the team is right now from an organizational depth chart on defense. If Matt Roy and Sean Walker were in the lineup right now, there's really not even enough room to get Bjornfoot and Clegg consistent right. minute. Again, the right. plan coming into the year, guys, seven defensemen on the LA Kings roster, which would be uh, Dowdy, Mikey Anderson. Sean Walker, Matt Roy, Curtis McDermott, and then one of Clegg or Bjornfoot. So there's not even room really to be able to to shoehorn him in there. Uh, you know, oh. and you then, have to move and then someone you, out. exactly. You're, you're 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 he's serving as a blocker to some of the other things that are taking right. place. And people, oh well, his skill is more advanced than you know whatever. Then maybe a Kale Clegg or pick whoever you want to say that uh, he's better than Curtis McDermott, whatever. Because that's the type of stuff that fans like to say. Of course. Um, you're 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 basically put serving him or he's going to serve he would serve he's not going to because he's not coming to la but he would have served as a blocker to some of these other players that need development kale clegg needs games tobias bjornfoot yeah. needs game sean dersey needs games uh you know brickley is trying to reemerge at the ahl level you you have other cole holtz you you have other guys that are uh coming along and so it's just like you said if it was a different time in their development curve as an organization perhaps maybe but it's not even worth talking about it. Dennis, we've spent too much time talking about it right now. It's not happening. They can't bring that player into this organization at this point in time, nor at any point in 2021. So move on, on to the next topic. Fair enough? Fair enough. 
Okay. Uh, let's talk about some of the other young forwards and then we'll uh, bring in Ken so that we can talk about Las Vegas. Uh, do you have any thoughts at all just in terms of what you're seeing from some of the other young forwards in a Carl Grundstrom or in, a, in Austin Wagner or Trevor Moore or some of those guys that are all sort of fighting to establish their role on this team? Play the kids. Um, <laughs> they are playing the kids, Dennis. Look how young this team is. The they are I want to play, kids. but that's okay. Um, who, who do you want to play? Who do you want to play? You know how I want to play. We don't have to go on. Byfield's not available to play. Okay. You want to play Turcotte? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I want to play them all. Okay. I don't buy your theory about the uh, You're killing about the burn of the ELC. You actually want to burn the ELC when they're not that good. Hold on. How can you disagree with me when the general manager of the team has been on the program and has agreed with me that they're not burning a year off of the entry-level contract? I'll tell you why. Be be okay. I'll, give me I'll a tell you why. Okay. Here's why. Okay. Because you want to get that player at his max on the next bridge deal. Like, you, you want him to be okay. Like, right, like, if you played Byfield this year, he's got two years to actualize to get to where Kopitar was in his third season. And Kopitar was 27, what, 27 goals, 39, he was 60-point player at the end of his third season, right? So if you get him... If he's next season, he explodes in his fourth year. You already have him on a bridge deal. You don't have to pay him till his third contract, right? That's my point. And I'll give you the example, right? There's a guy who was drafted very highly who in his rookie season did okay, played 15 minutes. He was blocked by some other centers on the team, and they moved him. And then in his fourth year, they traded away one of the centers. They wound up signing this guy to a long-term extension. His name is Nathan McKinnon. So for all the arguments about having to accelerate somebody's payday, I could throw you Nathan McKinnon, who they got for $6.3 million for three more years. Plus, if you really think that Byfield would blow up by the end of his, um, his entry-level contract, then one or two things ha happened, right? Either Kopitar fell off a cliff or Velarde never really actualized what you thought. So to think that you can't burn this guy's um, entry-level deal, like this year, start it this year, to me... I look at it and it doesn't make sense to me. Okay. Then, then let me respond to that then because okay. I was only talking about the ELC because you brought up the ELC. I'm going right. to give you the, the actual real reason. Forget the contract. Hit me. The actual real reason why Quentin Byfield cannot play and should not play in the NHL this season. Be, fine. If you want to play one or two games, to me, that's not playing in the right. NHL. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. There's one simple reason. Physically, he is not ready yet. And all you need to do is look at Todd's comments talking about younger players, whether it's Kaliev, whether it's Velarde. You look at these players. It is a man's league. It is a very tough league to come into. Byfield is 18 years old. He's a young kid. He needs to develop physically. He needs a year in Los Angeles with Matt Price, with these guys training and developing and putting his body together. That's just the reality of it. He is not ready physically to take on the rigors of the NHL. So the contract becomes, to me, a secondary uh, you know, type of issue. It's the same reason why Erasmus Kapari, you know, you didn't rush him to the NHL. A lot of these guys have talent. Uh, Gabe Velarde had talent, but he needed to develop some of that talent in the American League level and spend some time there. Byfield needs to spend time in the American League. I don't think this is a, a, a debate worth having until he has 10, 15, 20 games of experience. And if he's lighting up the league in the American League, then let's have a talk about it and say, okay, maybe maybe the Kings should take a chance and take a shot at it. But right now, I just think it's a, I almost think it's a waste of time to even have the conversation. Well, it's not a waste even, of time. Was Jack Hughes ready physically to play in the NHL last year? He's 170 pounds. Mm -hmm. No, so I, I could give you, I could give you other players who weren't physically ready to play in the league get played in the league, right? So that's it. And I, Joe, I'm not saying like right now, but here's my here's my my point. If they are out of the race, let's say they go, let's say they win three of their next nine and three of the following nine, they've got nine wins in 27 games. Like, mm -hmm. Why wouldn't you play them for the balance of the season? Like you, well, you, that's, you put, that's a different story. Right? You, you, had, you put his time in. I'm not saying recall him now and play him now. Like, mm -hmm. You want to give him 20 games down there, and the second half of the season, you don't you, – you, I play him the entire half of the second second half of the season because that's what happened with Kirby Doc. Right? Kirby mm -hmm. Doc wasn't ready. Fourth-line center. The pause play, he came back. He was a monster. He's a second-line center, and then he gets hurt. So, I, And I get your point, John. Like, I'm not saying, like, okay, Quentin Botfield should play the balance of the 49 games they have left. I'm not saying that. 
I'm saying I have no problem burning the ELC, no problem doing it in the second half of the team as a contender. This is Okay, the so then let's worry about it after he gets 20 games in and assuming that the Ontario League, uh, right. you know, is not in play not because if the Ontario League is in play, then this whole conversation goes a different direction. You have to make a decision to either put Byfield on the NHL roster or send him back to the OHL. But uh, assuming that that is an opportunity uh, that would present itself down the road, Okay, that's a Gabe Velarde type discussion. He spent the first half of the season in the American League. He he was getting ready to, you know, he was a pro and then he was ready to make the jump to the NHL. And while he still would be developing physically, then he can do that at the NHL level. Mm -hmm. Fine, we'll have that conversation then. How about this though, TB? How about we shift gears from hypotheticals to actuals? The LA Kings are getting ready to play a two-game series in Las Vegas against the Vegas Golden Knights. We have uh, Ken Bolke on the other side of the break. Why don't we bring him in and we'll talk about Vegas versus the Kings and then you and I can debate some more in the third period. Great, let's do it. All right, after the break, we'll be back and talk some more LA Kings, Vegas, Golden Knights Talk. Welcome back, Kings of the Podcast, second period. And we are joined today by Ken Bolke from Sinbin, Las Vegas, uh, somebody who keeps a close eye on the Golden Knights. We figured it would be a good opportunity for us to jump in with this two-game series set to begin. So, Ken, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, uh, look, I had a lot of fun doing your podcast, but it was like three hours long when you guys brought me to Vegas and locked me into a studio a couple years ago. Um, those guys are so damn passionate. It's unreal. We will have a fun podcast today, I hope, but um, it will not be three hours long. I apologize. No, uh, I don't know. I don't even know what to say about that. I'm already, I'm, I'm already disappointed. Look, uh, just a couple of things to get started here. First of all, um, obviously surrounding the Vegas Golden Knights, you know, protocol, it's been, it's been widespread throughout the league. It's been an issue. Games have had to be rescheduled and whatnot. Just how confident are you at this point as we record this, that the, the games are going to go on as scheduled Friday night? I'm fairly confident. They seem to be kind of headed to the other side of it. Now, granted, obviously a new one can pop up at any moment, but I don't think any of the previous issues that they've had should stand in the way. I, I do think the Golden Knights will be without a key player and maybe even without multiple coaches, but I don't think it should stand in the way of the game actually going on unless there's another one. Okay. Uh, before we really dive into it, we get into the roster and we talk about sort of the makeup of this team and what the expectations are this year and, and all sorts of other good stuff. Just sort of paint the picture for us if, as best you can. Las Vegas, for those that have not been there and experienced the way that this town has embraced the Golden Knights, uh, it it, it, it was everywhere prior to the pandemic. I mean, you could walk into a bar, a restaurant, a gas station, whatever. The, the logo was everywhere. The town was talking about it. There was a real electric buzz, I believe, uh, about the Vegas Golden Knights. And now in the pandemic, when people can't go to the games and they can't experience that, and, and you know, the practices uh, are not, you know, probably not sold out like they once were, the whole thing. Just uh, what's, what's sort of the scene there in Las Vegas now as we enter this new world in 2021? Yeah, it's certainly taken a little bit of a downturn. I don't think it's as bad as it could have been. People are still pretty jazzed up about the team. I still think the TV ratings are going to be pretty good. But obviously, it used to be a deal where every bar would have it on and people would go out and it'd be on, in on the casinos and it'd be everywhere where we can't really do that as much. You don't see as many gatherings for it. I, obviously, I think everywhere, it's it, you know, it's not quite the same. Like sports have taken a a hit because it's hard to care about putting the thing in the thing when we're worrying about people dying from the virus. So I get that, but it's still, uh, it's still pretty good. I, I still think people are pretty, pretty pumped up about it. I got a big picture question. Would you say that Mark Stone is the team's MVP? At the moment? Yes. 
Okay. But I think that Shea Theodore can steal okay. that spot in a hurry. But right now, yes, he's like over a point per game right now. Yeah, that would be my question. Who's the second most valuable player on this team? And you believe it's Shea Theodore. Why? I think Shea Theodore is a very, very important to their offense. He's important to their power play. He's important to their five-on-five play. He's, he's a big driving force of when they play at their absolute best, which is you just never get the puck in the Golden Knights offensive zone for more than three seconds. And the reason is because Shea Theodore is so darn good at skating that I think he could potentially be that guy. But the scoring hasn't exactly been there for him at this moment. So right now I would still lean stone. But, but Theodore, they might actually be, be harder pressed to win with Theodore out than stone out. I uh, coming into the season, I had Shea Theodore as my Norris pick. Uh, we we do predictions for the fourth period.com and you know who's going to win the divisions and who's going to make the Stanley Cup playoffs, who's going to win all these awards. Shea Theodore was my pick coming into the season. Uh, how how do you feel about my pick so far? Uh, I think it's taken a pretty big hit by how they've run their power play out. Now, granted, Petrangelo seems like he's going to be out for at least a minute here. I would assume it's going to be more than just a few games when. You test positive for COVID and then you have symptoms. I can't imagine he's back anytime soon, but who knows with the NHL. But they've, they've kind of leaned more on Petrangelo than Theodore, which surprised me. And to win a Norris, you're going to need a bundle of points. So I think at five on five, he's certainly worthy of doing it, but he needs some help from his coach to put him in a better position. And if Petrangelo's out for a bit, their, their power play was struggling. If they can get going with Theodore in the top unit, Maybe he can put himself right back in that conversation. But again, I, I want to make clear, picking anyone outside of the Canada division to win any award is foolish because they're not going to vote on anything but Canadian players. So I don't think anyone can win anything. That's great. Hey, Ken, you, met, you, can, you mentioned the coach. So I don't recall what your feeling was when the, co- when the change was made to Pete. But, but just overall, is this team much better with Pete than Gerard Gallant? No. Uh, I, I, I thought the coach change was wrong and wrong timing, wrong way to do it. They shouldn't have done it in the same moments. Like, they, they literally send the same press release out. Hey, we fired the guy you all love. We hired the guy you all hate. Like, and that's not me hating them. That's the players hating the guy. Like, that was just wrong to do. They're different coaches. They're very similar in how good they are. They're both not elite, but they're both not horrible. They're both decent to good coaches. I don't think the team is any better or worse. I think they're just a little bit different. It's an interesting point there. Um, look, sticking on the defensive side of things, obviously Kings fans will want to hear your take on Alec Martinez. But uh, before we get to that, Zach Whitecloud, uh, this is a guy who the LA Kings really believed that they were close to signing. He came to development camp uh, and and had connections to the Kings organization, at least through some of the scouts. Uh, you know, through his college hockey days, and then uh, sort of, you know, had the rug pulled out from underneath them, and, and Vegas swooped in and signed him. How's White Cloud been for the for the Vegas Golden Knights? What a godsend that man has been! Like they've been trying to find a younger defenseman to fill in, and if it's a right-handed younger defenseman, even better. And that's exactly what he's been. He was real good to start camp last year, and then got hurt right out of camp. It looked like he was going to win the job, and then he got hurt, so he missed about half the season. Then when the coach James had that opportunity to take that role away from Nick Hague, he was decent before the before the pause. He went into the bubble and he started to look like what we thought he could potentially be, which is mostly a defensive option. Now he's turning into an offensive option too. And I have no idea how this happened or where this came from, or I didn't even know he had it in him. And all of a sudden, he might be the second best defenseman on the team right now. And the team has Alex Petrangelo. Like, he's outplaying Alex Petrangelo in the seventh game sample. He's been that good. I don't know how long that's going to last, but to this point, he has been terrific and really needs more minutes. And I don't know how they're going to find him because they're kind of full on that right hand side with Petrangelo, Theodore, and now White Club. And how do you think the goaltending situation winds up here long term? That's a damn mess. <laughs> You know, I mean, the, the, honestly, the, the, it, do you want my dramatic my, pause, I, by the way? That was, that was no, fantastic. I want, nice, Ken, nice we want your, your take, man. We, yeah, we want so, your take. Right, so what I think should happen, and as crazy as it sounds, is I think they should trade Robin Leonard. I think they can find another Robin Leonard in the next two years after Fleury's done. There's value in Robin Leonard. He's got a great contract. I understand that they're, 
all the things I've been yapping about, about loyalty and all that would probably be horribly sent to the forefront yet again, but you're basically saving Marc-Andre Fleury if you're doing that. Let's put past that aside. The best thing they can do is pick one. They have to pick one. Right. As long as they have them both, they're not as good a hockey team as they can potentially be. Maybe they are in the regular season. They might win the President's Trophy. What do you do? But they're not going to win the Stanley Cup if they have $12 million in goalies. They're just not good enough in their skaters. They're good. They're just not elite. They're not the Tampa Bay Lightning. So they've got to pick one. I think they're trying to let Robin Leonard win the competition. I think they're trying to make it a fair competition to make it seem like they're giving both guys an opportunity and they want Robin Leonard to win it. Fortunately, at the moment, that's not happening. So I don't know what they're going to do moving forward because eventually they have to give the job back to Robin Leonard. You can't sign a guy for four years, have a 37-year-old sitting here beating him, and then give the job back to the other guy. You can't do it. It's a mess. And it's going to continue to be a mess and I, I don't know, like, at what point do we have another sword in, in Flurry's back? Like, <laughs> we're headed that road again because if Flurry outplays them and they don't give Flurry the job, then we've got problems. But if they do give Flurry the job, then you can't win. Now, here's a follow up question. At, at the time they traded for Leonard, was Flurry that bad? So, yes and no. Like, Flurry's been himself for a majority of the time he's been here. He's had a little bit of a stretch where his dad had cancer, was dying, and he wasn't playing very well. And then he actually went away, his dad died, and when he came back, he didn't play very well for about a month. But after that, he was good. He's been good ever since. Like I hate making an excuse for a guy, but it's hard to not say like the guy that was the most important person in his life passes away and that doesn't affect his performance. Like it was gonna, it did. And now you, you completely move on from a hall of famer because of it. it it's crazy. to me. Back on defense. I'll bring up the name again, Alec Martinez. We've already hit on Theodore and white cloud. What's the impression or what are your impressions? I should say of Alec Martinez, not just in this year, but just sort of in totality, his time in Las Vegas and, uh, how, how adaptable he's been playing both right side, left side, playing, you know, really any one of the three pairs uh, on the defensive side. Before I make what I think might end up coming across as a derogatory comment, but I don't want it to be a derogatory comment. Let me ask you this. Hold on. Let's give out your Twitter good. handle then before you do that. You, you be sure to follow uh, Ken at Sinbin Vegas. Is, is that right? That's exactly right. How good was right. Alex Petrangelo when, when he was traded from the Kings? Alec Martinez. Sorry, Alec Martinez. You were good with it? No, he said, how good was he? How good was he for the Kings? Oh, how good was Alec Martinez when he was traded from the Kings? Um, Alec Martinez, here, here, I'll give my Twitter handle out now, at Mayor NHL, because Kings fans are not going to like this. Uh, And Dennis and I, actually, I think we just talked about it, what, maybe DB two two episodes ago, maybe. Uh, Kings fans, in my opinion, have an inflated belief of how good Alec Martinez is. And and if they can now calm down and stop throwing things at, you know, whatever's close to them and listen to what I'm saying, Alec Martinez is a very good second and or third pairing defenseman. He is not a top pair defenseman. Alec Martinez is really good at being versatile. He can play the right side. He can play the left side, but he is not the guy who should be carrying the mail for a team. He's better in a secondary and in a support role. Uh, Really, in my mind, if you put him on the third pair, he's the best third pairing defenseman in the NHL. If you put him on the second pair, he's playing a little bit above his head. However, he can more than hold his own in that role. And another thing would be from a teammate standpoint, he's one of the best teammates. And you could say this about so many of the Kings from those cup years. He's really one of the best teammates that you could ever ask for. Uh, and from that standpoint, there is extra value there. And for the cap geeks out there, he's also signed to a very favorable contract. So that's my take. Uh, DB, what do you think? Oh, I, I agree. I, I think the inflation is due to the two key goals in franchise history that he scored against Chicago and then to win the cup. So people are always going to love him. What's the hate about Alec Martinez? If you're a Kings fan, he won you to help you win two championships and you made a great trade. So now it's Ken's turn. Okay. So then what I'm, what I'm going to say is derogatory to Kings fans, but not to you two. When the golden (laughs) Knights got him, he did not play like Kings, Alec Martinez. He played like something way above that. He was playing legitimate top pair 
minutes. Like he was that good. He was playing in, in an excellent level, scoring defensively. He was playing on the power play. He did everything you wanted. In the bubble, he was the same guy. Then, now, all of a sudden, he's Kings Alec Martinez again. He's a third-pair guy that's playing second-pair on a second-pair with maybe their best player and isn't doing very well. He, he needs to play a lot better if he's going to play in that role, and I don't think he's going to play a lot better because I don't think he's that guy. I thought they gave up way too much to get him. I don't think I agree that the kit contract is favorable. I don't want the best third-pair defenseman making $4 million to be making two. So I'm not even sure I like the contract. Uh, he needs to play a lot better. He needs to play like he did for the first month that the Golden Knights had him, not the last 18 that the Kings had him. Well, okay, but hold on just a second. Two million for a true third-pairing defenseman, I, I would agree with you. But again, he's right. more than just a third-pairing defenseman. He's a guy is who's he? fully capable. Yes, he is. He's fully capable of playing second-pairing minutes and being good in that role for an extended period as sort of a fill-in. If you're the Knights, though, and you're signing every free agent that's available, they probably already have lined <laughs> up the next four free agents that they want to go out and get because I don't think that there's uh, a candy in the candy store that they're not interested in. Uh, if, if they stack up their blue line, then he ends up being the best third-pairing defenseman. But let's also remember, Alec Martinez is 33 years old. He won two Stanley Cups, and that was quite some time ago with the LA Kings as well. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's not like he's 25 years old. We're not talking about White Cloud, and we're not talking about Shea Theodore. We're talking about Alec Martinez. He's a vet who brings experience. He brings uh, a winning attitude and culture, and you are going to pay more than $2 million to get that. This is not Ben Hutton. <laughs> I need to make a shirt. That's the best. That's the best selling point I could ever make on Alec Martinez. What is Alec Martinez? Not Ben Hutton. I'll well, take right. it. Who's that hashtag? Him, then. Uh, yeah, I'm in. I'm in there. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. I just I think in the Golden Knights cap situation and what they have behind him, they have some players that can do some similar things. You're right. There are intangible things that he brings. I love Alec Martinez. The person. He's awesome. Like. I wish I could have spent more time around him before the damn virus came in. But I just, I don't know that he's good enough. He certainly wasn't good enough to give up two second round picks for you're welcome for that. Golden Knights just gave those away. And then I just, I think he's headed in the wrong direction. I think the contract is a little high for what they could replace him with. Am I saying get rid of Alec Martinez? Not necessarily. I, I would rather Alec Martinez plays like what he can, not what he has. Well, if that's your opinion, not trade. I'm going to hate to ask you about the Patrick Ray trade, but I won't. I won't. Just not this second. You can. No, no. I'm going to, I got a big picture question for you, Ken. Ken, you've seen this franchise from day one, okay? And let's talk about identity of this franchise because I was there, or I think two weeks. I was there opening, but two weeks, I think, into the season, three weeks. I went to a game. I sat, I sat. I'm like, damn, this team fights you for every single inch of the ice. They go to the cup final, and then what happens? Guys get paid. They live in Summerlin. Like what the so, so the team was so and they were so intense because they had out to prove everybody wrong in their first season. What's the identity of this team now? Of course, to me, it's like hmm, they all got paid. They're all comfortable. They're not being really pushed by the bore. Like, what's your feeling on with respect to the identity of this team now that a lot of these guys are established and uh, you know got paid off? It's like they have like I don't think it's an identity crisis, but like they they have a belief of what they are, and then their performance doesn't match it. Like the first year, what they were was fast, a pain in the ass to play right. against. And like you said, every inch of ice, they're there. They're going to get that puck back. Now they have this belief, like, we're better than you, and we're going to show that we're better yeah. than you. And if we don't, we're not that worried about it because we'll just show it tomorrow. Okay. You know, and like, I don't, is that, like, what is that? And, and I, I think the board is trying to kind of fix that. And I think he's the right type of guy to fix that. Like, no, look, you need to watch film. You need to play the system. You need to do the right things. We are more talented than everyone else, but if we don't play that way, we will get our butts kicked. And they got that proven to them by Dallas. But they still, they're inconsistent, and they've been inconsistent for three years. And I don't understand why people can't take that as part of what they are. They are not Tampa Bay. They're not even close to Tampa Bay. And they haven't per performed that way over – regular season after regular season, and I don't think they're going to this year unless they just whip up on all the bad teams in the division, which might end up having them have an overinflated record, in which case they'll end up going to the playoffs thinking we're awesome again. 
I think you're absolutely onto something. Uh, you know, there's three teams that are clearly the class of the division in, in Vegas and St. Louis uh, and Colorado. And then there are five other teams. And you can argue in any order that those five other teams, you know, should be ranked uh, at least two, if not three of them are really, really bad uh, and, and will probably fight more for, you know, the seller in the West division than they will for a playoff spot. And then two or possibly three teams are in the mix, including Minnesota, obviously, um, for that playoff spot, but you're right. If those top three teams, including Vegas, beat up on the other five, that they're you know those three are clearly in a class above them. They they will have that inflated record, as you mentioned. Um, let's hone in a little bit on the series that's coming up this weekend. In uh, do we call it Las Vegas or do we call it Vegas? I, I forget what Bill Foley has. Uh, are we allowed to at least call the city Las Vegas? Yes, the city okay. is Las Vegas, but you cannot call them the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Right. Yes, it's of course, long. because they four words. No, you can't be four words. Yeah, they didn't want they didn't want a four uh, initial or four letter acronym. So, uh, yes, VGK playing in Las Vegas um, for the two game set that's happening this weekend in Las Vegas. I have no interest in seeing Ryan Reeves fight Curtis McDermott, although, you know, there there's a, a group of bloodthirsty fans on social media that can't wait for it. I, I just have no interest in seeing that fight. I'd rather watch hockey. What, what's your take on this? Yes, I, if I want to watch fights, we have this magical thing called the Ultimate Fighting Championship. I think you may have heard of it. It's great. I have. Guys punch yeah. each other. They kick each other. It's, it's fantastic. Let's it's do great. that there. Can we play hockey here like National Hockey League? Let's play hockey. <laughs> and while we're at it, can we just get that one player that you always talk about off my hands? Okay, so when you analyze the team, right, and I think you'll agree, because, Ken, you made a, a reference to their skaters on good enough isn't the fatal flaw for this team the middle can you win a championship with Chaniel Stevenson as your second line center unless you think Cody Glass is going to rise up or Peyton Krebs but isn't that where like once you get to the postseason that's where this team is going to have deficiencies so that was the kind of the concept I have been thinking the entire time and I'm still not fully out the other side of that Mm -hmm. but I'm starting to see the light of why they think they can actually do it with this center group. And and the reason is because their centers highlight their wingers. I don't necessarily think Cody Glass is what they think he's going to be. And if that's the case, they're going to have to bail on him at some point and let Nick Waugh do the job, which makes your center depth even weaker in theory. But I think their issue more so is they've overinflated the offensive power of their wingers compared to what I think they like, what they actually are. Mark Stone can score, but Mark Stone's not an elite scorer. Max Pacioretty is an elite scorer, but he's streaky. Marcheseau is streaky, can be, can also not be. Smith is more similar to Stone in that he's not an elite scorer. He's going to get you some points, but he's a damn good hockey player, but he's not an elite scorer. So when you are trying to use your centers to complement your wingers and make them better and make them more offensive when they're not those players, you're going to come up short offensively. So they decided, let's replace the defense. Let's go with more scoring from Petrangelo, more scoring from, from Theodore. Sure. It's yet to be seen if that's actually going to work. I think it can, but it hasn't yet, even though they're 5-1-1. One and one. Right. Okay. I wish, and maybe you don't agree with this, I wish there were 31 owners or 32 owners like Bill Foley. And he's visible. Yeah. He cares. He takes his management team to Wyoming, to his ranch, to huddle for the – the trade deadline. So, and John references before as well, like every off season, he wants the big shiny toy. Like, you know, go get Mark Stone, go get Patrick Reddy, go get Pedro Angel, where you maybe didn't really need him. You really needed him center. Like, so how much pressure is on the front office, the way it's presently constituted to win this season? Uh, enough. I, I think that, I think he's more patient than what we give him credit for. I think he's like a lot of owners where it's like, oh, your team's really good. That's good enough. Like, and that's, that's the Nick Fee special. He did this for 17 years right. where he would have a team that you're like, that team was really good. I wonder why they didn't win. And like, they never blamed it on the GM. They just blamed it on Ovechkin or Backstrom or somebody else. At some point, he left and they won the cup. It's like, well, maybe it was him. I think he's setting up to do the exact same thing here. Like, this team's good. They're going to be good. They're going to continue to be good. When they need a new shiny toy, they'll go get it. They do what makes them always seem like they're doing the right thing, moving the right direction. But is it what actually it takes to win? I don't know yet. And at some point, I hope 
Foley is going to say, all right, enough's enough. I don't want to be the best team in the regular season. I don't want to be the best team in the offseason. I don't want to have a good team on paper. I want the damn silver shiny thing. The Kings are not only in Las Vegas to play games on Friday and Sunday, but the Ontario Reign, their AHL affiliate, is uh, in Las Vegas to play on, uh, what is it, Saturday and Monday, I believe. We all here on the program talk a lot about uh, what what the Ontario Reign roster is going to look like. Names like Arthur Kaliev and Turcotte set to make his debut and a lot of big names. We'll have to see if Byfield's back and healthy enough to go. He's just started skating a couple days ago. But uh, there's a guy named Peyton Krebs on that team over there, and there are also several other I want to say high-end prospects. What's your take on the Henderson Silver Knights and what should fans expect when they're watching AHL TV this weekend and the Silver Knights are taking on the Ontario Reign? Well, first of all, can you please tell the Ontario Reign to do your testing prior to the game and have the results come in prior to the second intermission if possible because that was annoying. Let's not have any more games canceled in the middle of the game. That was stupid. So that's step one. Don't be San Jose. Granted, that should be something that all of us live by no matter what. Oh, hold on. That you're, you're, since you're into t-shirts, there's a great t-shirt right there. Can you please not be San Jose? Because born, yeah. being born and raised in Southern California, nobody wants to be a no-cal. So that's fine. Don't, Don't be, be San, San Jose. Jose. It's great, I agree. It's a great hashtag right there. Just terrible. As far as what the Henderson Silver Knights are, they are a collection of players that are NHL quality talent, but are not NHL superstars, which I think is kind of a little different than what you're seeing in Ontario, where I think you guys have a bunch of players that have the ability to potentially be high-end players. I think aside from Peyton Krebs, they don't have a lot of players that are going to be stars. You're not going to get Lucas Elvinus and the Golden Knights today on NHL Network or something like that, where I think you can get that with Turcotte, Chaliev, those types of guys. So I think they're a decent team. I think they're young. They're going to be fun. I'm interested in the goalie. Uh, I think this Logan Thompson kid has something to him. So I think he could potentially be a future star. But beyond that, I don't think there's a lot to get all that excited about yet. And Krebs is too young. I don't think he's ready for a full AHL season. And I don't think he's going to be here for the full AHL season. Yeah, sure. Once once these other leagues get things settled out, then we're going to see some of these kids that are not only in Ontario, but across the American League that are going to go back to some of their other teams. Uh, Ken, it's been fantastic. We've enjoyed it. Thank you for coming up with some new T-shirt ideas and some some fresh hashtags. Uh, we will let you run. We'll let you breathe. The games are Friday and Sunday. And then, as we mentioned, the two AHL games. So so four games in a row, uh, four days in a row of, of sort of Kings organization against the Vegas organization. We look forward to your rants on Twitter and uh, we'll be catching up with you soon. Where's the other hour and 40 minutes of this podcast? <laughs> You're the best guy. We'll talk to you later. See ya. There you go. We'll talk more Vegas Golden Knights and LA Kings on the other side of the break. To the third period of Kings of the Podcast with DB and the Mayor. Third period, DB, welcome back. Uh, we just did a deep dive there on Las Vegas, or excuse me, Vegas, the uh, the Golden Knights. Any thoughts about what Ken had to share with us? Oh, Ken's great. Love his opinions. Not afraid. <laughs> Hasn't been an opinion he doesn't like. So yeah, and just you know, transparent and honest about where this team is. Is most people look at them. You look at the betting odds. They're one of the favorites to win the cup, but. And definitely got his doubts about uh, if they have the juice to to win a Stanley Cup. Well, another important thing to look at when you're talking about the standings, DB, is that 
Vegas has not uh, played, you know, the right number of games compared to everybody else. Right. Because uh, they had a couple of games that have been postponed or whatever. But if you look at the points percentage, they're actually right up there near the top of the Western uh, division. So it, it's the same story we've talked about. There, there are three teams that are the class of the division, Colorado, Vegas, and St. Louis. And then everybody else is fighting for that fourth playoff spot. Dennis, before we move along any further, though, let's just very quickly remind everybody that support for Kings of the Podcast does come from Manscaped. And with uh, Valentine's Day nearly upon us, make sure you're ready, listeners, for whatever, wherever the night may take you. Our friends at Manscaped, the global leader in men's below-the-waist grooming, they're here to tell you that you need to use the best tools for the job so that you can be ready for anything on that special day. And 2 million men worldwide are already trusting Manscaped. You should join that uh, group. Uh, they will take care of all of your grooming needs, so make sure that you're one of the the new followers of uh, Manscaped, if you will. Your girl, can if she can't think of what to get you this year for Valentine's Day, all you need to do is just tell her to get you the gift that's for both of you. It's for you and it's for her. The best way to get started, of course, is with the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. Um, it has some of the best products to keep you looking, smelling, and feeling nice. We've been talking about it on the program for a couple of months now. The Perfect Package 3.0 is led by their revolutionary third-generation lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. It has the advanced skin-safe technology. It has a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce the grooming accidents. It is waterproof. And Dennis? It's got the LED light. Yes, absolutely. Patent pending, trademark pending. It has the Dennis Bernstein approved LED light, which is fantastic. And then they have a, a whole host of other products that are available, whether it's for, you know, trimming your nails and, and grooming uh, your hands and feet, or whether it's the crop preserver, the crop reviver, their, their great new uh, cologne that they ha uh, offer, their signature refined cologne, which is uh, good stuff. We talked about that recently on the program. So just good stuff. You can even get some anti-chafing boxers that are available. So uh, check them out, manscaped.com. They have the perfect package for your perfect package. And right now, DB, our listeners can get 20% off and free shipping all they need to do is use the code KOTPNEW, that's K-O-T-P-N-E-W, at manscaped.com. Uh, you can get 20% off with free shipping uh, using the code K-O-T-P-N-E-W at manscaped.com. Happy Valentine's Day from Manscaped. And their suite of products. Yes, and their suite of products. And their tremendous packaging. We love the packaging, Dennis. It's just, uh, you know, Pro Flowers does a great job with their packaging. If you've ever ordered flowers from them, it's the same thing. Manscaped has really... Uh, they've refined how to package their products and just bring a smile to your face when you when you open up the box and you just sort of see what you're getting from Manscaped. It's so much fun. I agree with, couldn't agree with the great, brilliant marketing they do. Okay, TB. We've had a fun-filled uh, hour here. We probably owe a couple of minutes back to the listeners. I think we put out like a 90-minute podcast recently, so we'll try to give a little bit of time back. We try to keep it to three 20-minute periods, but I do have a great story that I want to share with you real quickly related to somebody that used to be a member of the LA Kings organization, and that's Mike Fuda. So uh, hopefully people have seen on Twitter, I know you did, Dennis, because you and I were texting about it, but hopefully people have seen the video. He was on Sportsnet, so he's kind of between jobs right now, and he uh, he's doing some some desk work, as he did, I think, during the draft and maybe free agency, and, and now um, for the 2021 season as he's out there looking for his next gig, which is hopefully a general manager's job um, with a team. And as sort of luck would have it, because timing is everything, many of the players that he helped draft uh, recently, they all sort of had a big day at the same time. So you had Trevor Lewis scoring, you had Derek Forbert scoring, you had, uh, who else? I think Mark Giordano, you, uh, Tanner Pearson, a bunch of guys. And so they were sort of razzing him and teasing him on Sportsnet about this. And uh, it was kind of like his audition reel for, for one of the jobs out there. And then Fuda uh, whipped out a stuffed animal of a yes. penguin and put it there on the desk, which just, of course, social media goes crazy, right? And there are a couple of haters that are out there like, oh, you know, what's he doing? You know, no general manager should have a stuffed animal up there. I'm like, people, calm down. Like, it's life is not that serious, right? And, and, and if, you, if an organization is that uptight or looks at that and is like, oh, well, we can't hire Mike Fuda because he had a stuffed animal on the desk at Sportsnet, like, and I, I mean, I can't speak for foods, but that doesn't seem like the type of organization that you would want to go and work in because that's really uptight, right? Like, come on. It's we're in the middle of, he did it in the interview, John. He did it on television. We're in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. Uh, let's not get, you know, let's not get uh, our panties in a pinch over, you know, a stuffed animal. But th th the reason I set all of this up is that, of course, I had to reach out to foods and get the story. What's the deal with the penguin, right? So. Let me give you a little bit of tidbit here. It's uh, Kings of the Podcast exclusive, if you will. 
So uh, his parents uh, back home, and he's, he talked about it when he was on the program um, a number of months ago, back in mid-2020, but his, his mom specifically has like this LA Kings shrine. She also has a lot of elephants, which are supposed to bring you good luck. In addition to all these elephants, she has a few penguin statues or whatever. And so I guess as she was as he was getting ready to leave or whatever to go to this interview with Sportsnet, um, he had this conversation with his mom and he's like, oh, look at that, a penguin, you know, and she's like, oh, yes, maybe it's good luck, you know, and uh, because the penguins have an opening for a GM. So uh, one of his daughters stuffs a penguin, a, a stuffed animal in his in his bag, in his uh, little suitcase or what do you call it, his, um, his computer bag. And so he takes the, the he takes the bag, I guess, unknowingly, uh, you know, with this stuffed animal in there. And then eventually he finds it and he's doing the interview and whatnot. And, and here's here's the end of the story, though. So w- what happens next with this stuffed animal right, is, what I, is what I was chirping him about. Like, where do you go? And he had a great line. He said, uh, it's the, the the future of this stuffed animal. It only has two possible outcomes. One, it's in a glass case in my office. And it's, it's there to tell a great story. It's a great talking piece. Or it's going to end up at the bottom of a lake tied to a weight. So, <laughs> and I just, I laughed and thought, you know, so perfect. So that's absolutely, if, that's you're wondering, for sure. if you're wondering where that stuffed animal is going, uh, that's, that's where it's going. And it would be great, right? If he was, if he was hired oh, as the GM man. of the Pittsburgh Penguins to have that stuffed animal in a glass case there, I could see people coming in and asking him. I mean, you go into like Luke's office and he has like little miniature Stanley cups and things. And, and Blake probably has the same thing, but if you walked into a general manager's office and you had a stuffed animal, people are going to ask what the deal is with that. Even though it's a penguin, they're still going to ask. Of course. Great, so, Great story. <laughs> for that penguin's uh, sake, I hope that he does get that job. Um, and who knows? Uh, perhaps perhaps he needs to go on television with a stuffed animal of a, of a whale or something because um, <laughs> there's another <laughs> in the Pacific Northwest that might be in need of a general manager. Or that team just keeps not playing defense. <laughs> well, defense is an issue around the league, uh, but you know, look, uh, Mike Fuda, while it wasn't, a, I do want to say this DB, uh, and I know you agree with me while it wasn't ultimately a good fit for him here in Los Angeles at the end, um, his, his track record speaks, speaks for itself. He was one of, you know, the three pillars in Dean Lombardi, Mark Yannetti and Mike Fuda that helped build the LA Kings culture, the LA Kings organization, the cup winning years. Uh, he has an outstanding resume, and I know there are only 31, I guess, 32 technically jobs around the NHL, mm-hmm. uh, but he does, in my opinion, deserve a, a crack at it, deserves to be a general manager, and um, when he does, hopefully he'll take Mike Stuthers with him and, and give him a job as well. Sure, absolutely, and he could sit in a chair tonight, tonight and function well in, for any organization, so yeah, couldn't advocate for him more. All right, DB, uh, let's wrap this thing up. Kings, Vegas, two-game series. Uh, my final question for you would be, are we going to see two guys drop the gloves, Ryan Reeves, Curtis McDermott? Are we going to see that take place? If it does, I think the second game, John, I wouldn't think that, you know, did Todd have a conversation with McDermott over starting fights early in games? I don't know. Um, but I would think it would be the residual of what happened in game one. So if I would say one, it would be what Sunday as opposed to Friday. Okay. And uh, DB for a little teaser, uh, I've already I'm, I'm on record, I guess, in the second period is saying I don't really need to see that fight. So, OK, fine. If it has to happen in the second right. game, fine. Uh, it's more important to me that the L.A. Kings actually show up for the game. Yes. Uh, win the game, win a game, um, you know, look competitive. Uh, anything would be better than what what they put on display Tuesday night against Anaheim. So you need to erase that video, as you suggested. Uh, interestingly, though, scheduling wise, the. The LA Kings are in Las Vegas this weekend, and also the Ontario Reign are in Vegas this weekend because they're going to uh, open up their season with a two-game set against the Silver Knights, the Henderson Silver Knights, although technically (laughs) you have to love Vegas. Everything is weird about them, right? So the Las Vegas Golden Knights are actually the Vegas Golden Knights, and then you have their AHL team, which is the Henderson Silver Knights, but they're not playing in Henderson yet uh, because the the building is not done yet. So they're actually playing in Las Vegas in the Orleans Arena, which is where the old uh, minor hockey team used to play. But anyway, um, we're going to have Coach John Robleski of the Ontario Reign join us uh, in the next program. He's going to uh, do a deep dive with us on what to expect. You have Arthur Kaliev back with the Reign. You have Alex Turcott, who's been cleared. He's off of IR. He's going to play. You have um, 
uh, Byfield, who has only recently started skating over the last couple of days. I'm not expecting him to play in the uh, game one, but who knows? We'll have to ask Robo about that. But uh, big things are ahead here with the 40-game season ahead of the uh, the Ontario Reign, Dennis. Yeah. Cross our fingers and toes, they actually play all 40. Well, you know, final note on that, I guess. Interesting, <laughs> Interestingly enough, um, you might remember a few shows ago, I was perplexed why Calgary and Edmonton were keeping their AHL teams in Cal- uh, California in the middle of a pandemic when there were border issues and everything else. Right. For whatever reason, it took them till the 11th hour after the schedule had already been released. And then Calgary decided to move their team out of Stockton and they're going to play back home in Calgary. Edmonton is keeping their, their club in Bakersfield against mm-hmm. the Condors. So you had four games that the rain were scheduled to play against Stockton that they either need to had, uh, they needed to either just eliminate from their schedule, which would have given them even fewer games to play or replace those four games. Not only did they replace those four games, they added two other games. So it took them from a 38 game season up to a 40 game season. And uh, I would agree with you, Dennis fingers crossed, toes crossed that we get 40 games of American league and uh, hopefully as many games as possible with uh, those prospects we've been talking about so that the Kings can get a good long development look. But we'll save all of those questions for the next episode with uh, John Robleski, who's going to join us to preview the Ontario rain season. That's it. That's a wrap. Kings fans, we'll be back. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, now